everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. There will be many that choose to be separated from Him for all of eternity, those that will be left behind. You not only had to be ready, you had to have enough oil, you had to get in. You had to get into that, that wedding. And then the door was shut. By the way, once the door was shut, it was shut. And in ancient Galilee, if you were locked out, there was no getting in. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard the 30-second Roland of a docudrama that was released in early 2020 to critical acclaim and rave reviews entitled Before the Wrath. Narrated by actor Kevin Sorbo of God's Not Dead, Let There Be Light, and Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, just to name a few. And in concert with award-winning producer, writer, and director, Brent Miller Jr., founder and executive director of Ingenuity Films, an award-winning California faith-based studio behind the best-selling hit, the Coming Convergence, and this just for starters. It would take the tragic events of 9-11 to propel my next guest to a now 20-plus year career in film and media, bringing biblical prophecy to reality, authenticity, and accuracy, the goal, at least in his latest, now available on DVD, Before the Wrath, which we will talk about today. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony, a joy and honor indeed, Director Brent Miller, Jr. Director Miller, Brent, if I may, welcome to testimony. Thank you so much. It's such a blessing to be here. Well, it's a blessing to have you before we get into the premise of your latest beautifully filmed docudrama, Before the Wrath. Can you briefly share with our listeners how you came to faith in Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Messiah. Oh, I would love to. Uh, the, the journey, and, and it was a bit of a journey for me, as it is with, I would imagine, many people. Uh, back in my younger days, I lived in uh, New York City, uh, in, in uh, Manhattan, working for uh, some pretty large companies, such as MTV Networks. Um, and uh, I was living there on the day of 9-11, that tragic terrorist attack. Um, and that was the first time in my life, as with many Americans back then, that we began hearing uh, news about uh, religious conflict and, and prophecy and, and even things that are not biblical prophecy, but that were discussed, such as Nostradamus, you know, which is more associated with just secular prediction and all these new types of concepts. And being uh, young at the time, I, w I was curious how much truth there, there, there was in these things. Um, you know, could, could we actually know the future? What is this this topic of this conflict between Islam and then the the Christian America, so to speak? And it really set me on a path to look at eschatology or Bible prophecy and, and events that were unfolding globally to see if there was any validity in it. 
And over the course of years, from looking at theology and then just speaking with many various experts, it led me to the only rational conclusion is that the Bible is the, the, the true Word of God and represents the one and only God. And I received uh, Jesus Christ as that my, my personal Savior. And, and since then, um, I have founded with, with a few other uh, partners uh, Ingenuity Films in order to kind of translate some of the, the, the journeys that we took to, the, to this biblical truth, to, in order to present this to, to the non-believing world. So in that aspect, Ingenuity Films and myself were, were really founded on, on speaking to the non-believing world, and that's really the goal, kind of using prophecy and apologetics in order to accomplish that. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to director, writer, and producer Brent Miller Jr., his latest Before the Wrath. Brent, how did Before the Wrath come into being, and what is its primary premise and focus? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting story, actually. Um, We had just finished uh, The Coming Convergence, which was about proving that there is a convergence of prophetic events unlike any other in history. And we're coming off the heels of this release, a fairly large award-winning release, and uh, we're looking at, uh, we're we're in prayer every day and looking at different um, ideas, different topics of of what do we do now in order to, to continue growing the ministry so that it can reach more and more people and Getting, getting this message into more people's hands. And um, I, I think first and foremost, a lot of us had heard of the, the correlation between the Jewish wedding and, and the return of Christ and some different aspects. Uh, much of the church, surprisingly, has never heard of it, but some of us have. Uh, and then I came across some uh, anthropologists and theologians that were re- revealing some new discoveries that were made in the Middle East uh, regarding this topic, specifically in the Galilean culture. Um, and it had to do with with pretty convincing evidence on why the rapture is a literal and legitimate event that occurs in the Bible. Um, and a lot of us, we would take that statement for granted. Of course, it's a legitimate event that occurs in, in the Bible. But, you know, as, as we'll get into in a minute, um, what we also discovered is that, shockingly, uh, more and more of the Church uh, no longer believes in the rapture as a literal, literal event or even believe that Jesus is coming back. So it's becoming such a, such a crisis in the Church, in the West here in the United States, that uh, we felt that this new, these new discoveries, this new evidence, um, had to be presented to the public um, in a way that would really resonate and connect with them so they could understand the depth of its meaning. So instead of just releasing a, a book or just releasing some of these findings, I believe the Lord let us actually produce this in in a bigger budget docudrama in order to really portray the importance of this message. Wow. Now, talk about some of the, quote, discoveries. Who found them? And how do these discoveries cement the idea of a rapture, which you state many do not even believe will happen? Yeah, well... Uh, those responsible for some of these additional insights. Um, it's a large collection of, of theologists. We have a Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, which has been involved in some of this research, different universities over in the Middle East, like Jerusalem University, uh, various uh, Calvary Bible colleges, um, and of course the experts themselves that are featured within the film, including uh, Jan Markell, which provided some interesting cultural insight, uh, Amir Safadi from Behold Israel, 
um, and uh, Jack Hibbs and, and many others. Um, and uh, and I guess in order to, to really paint the picture of, of how this provides such amazing additional insight, we first have to realize that Jesus wasn't simply a Jew. He was a Galilean. And this does make a difference mm. because in Galilee, uh, which, of course, they were also Jews, it was all the, the Jewish state, they, had, they did some of their things culturally a little differently. So in, in a way, it was a subculture of, of what the Jews would often practice, including the, their wedding customs, for example, in the epicenter, the religious epicenter of, of Jerusalem. And the reason why this mattered is because Jesus often used uh, parables and stories to connect to the people he was speaking to. And we're all very familiar with this. So when he was speaking to his uh, disciples, we have to, to take into account that other than, than Judas, they were all Galileans as well. They were all from that region. So when they came to him and asked, uh, when they came to, to Jesus and asked him about his, his return and the end of days, Jesus spoke to them with a Galilean viewpoint and a Galilean vernacular, something that they would understand. And this is one of those little pieces of the puzzle that I believe a lot of theologians and anthropologists, those that study ancient history or ancient culture, often glass over. They often forget this. They just bundle you know, the, the, the Jewish culture and the Galilean culture as being the same. But there were some major differences. And recognizing these differences actually reveals so much more depth about the rapture and the return of Christ in ways that, that really brings it back to life and proves why it must happen. Which leads me to my next question, which you've already answered in part. And that is, I loved in the film how you make the correlation between the bride and the groom and the year-long preparation and traditions surrounding the wedding that is to take place. Talk about that and how we, as the church, are to emulate the same in spirit, truth, and action before it's too late, or before, perhaps better stated, before the wrath. Yeah, well, being the, the bride of Christ is a, just a, a shocking eye-opener. Many of us within the Church, we've heard the term, and, and many Christians will nod and say, yes, we're, you know, we're, we're the bride of Christ, but there's really a lack of understanding of what that means, that Jesus' disciples clearly understood. Um, and remember, this is a theme that runs even all the way into the Old Testament, uh, before the first coming, uh, when Israel would essentially turn their back on Yahweh, turn their back on God. It was committing adultery. With this terminology in the scriptures, adultery against God. And so there's always been kind of this, this bride relationship with God. And, and as God obviously being the creator of marriage here on earth as a shadow of, of things that we are meant to understand at a spiritual level, that kind of makes perfect sense. So in, in Galilee, they had an entire uh, wedding custom that would unfold over an entire year from the betrothal and, and all these various steps where when Jesus was telling them about his return at the end of days, they perfectly clearly understood 100% he was speaking about their wedding. So when we look at it through the, those lenses, we then really understand not only the love of God, but we understand the blessed hope and rapture must absolutely occur. Um, for example, and this is one of the one of the shocking things that was confirmed after years of research, is that in Galilean culture, which by the way was unique in the entire region, um, after the 
the, the bride and the groom were betrothed, and the groom would have to leave to prepare a place to, to build onto his father's house. Again, that sounds <laughs> uh, very, very familiar. Um, the exact day of the wedding, when the, when the groom would come and retrieve the bride, it was unknown. So the bride and the groom were preparing for this day that they could be finally together to, to join as one forever, but they, they did not know the day or the hour that would take place at all. Because in Galilee, it was a surprise wedding. And the only person who knew when that wedding would take place was the father of the groom. Only the father knew the day and the hour. And that's precisely what Jesus said about his return. Which I found so interesting. And also, as you visualize in the film, the bride literally is dressed in her wedding gown. Uh, The groom is ready to go. And they don't know when that will be. Uh, As a thief in the night, the Bible talks about, he will return. Talk about that. Yeah, that's also a parallel to the events that are unfolding even right now at the end of days. Um, and the groom had to prepare, again, build a room onto his father's house. That's how they would do it in, in the first century. And even today in many Middle Eastern countries, they still continue to practice this. Homes are multi-general. They build new levels on top for each generation. And then when that construction was complete, he had to prepare the feast, you know, i.e. the what we see as uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation. Uh, so the groom would have to prepare a feast for the actual wedding ceremony, for the feast where uh, they would where they would be united as one and together forever. And, and because the day or the hour was not known, the bride would also have to not just sit around and do nothing, but literally occupy and be observant and be prepared and stay pure. I mean, this was expected of the bride. And so she had to get together a a wedding gown each night. She had to keep watch for the bride. Could this be the night that he comes for me? Because she literally didn't know in Galilee. It truly was a surprise wedding. Now, it's interesting. They may not know the day or the hour, but based on early anthropological records, it's assumed many theologians agree um, that, that they kind of knew the season it would happen. It wasn't where it could be a year from now or 10 years from now, they kind of knew the season it would occur. Because if you're seeing per, uh, food being purchased and you're seeing the, the home and, on the father's house is done being built, you know that the time is close. You know that the signs, if you will, are converging and that you're very close. But you just literally don't know the day or the hour, but you do know the season. And so, again, Jesus's disciples would have absolutely understood that as it relates directly to their culture. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to director Brent Miller Jr., his latest must-see before the wrath. Uh, Brent, there are many prophetic voices sounding the alarm. How should one discern which are accurate or not? Your thoughts. That is a a pretty big question, and one I often have to discuss. with a lot of different people being what we do, focusing a lot on eschatology, there's a lot of sensationalism out there. And, uh, and and that's the important thing is to take each event and put it in context with the actual chronological order of prophetic events that the scriptures spell out very clearly. It, it, you always go to the scriptures, always go to the Word. Um, and I find that so much of prophecy out there is sensationalized, where 
people are not checking it against the Word. They're not reading it in the Bible and putting it in context of the entire chapter, or, you know, or even culturally, uh, anthropologically, if you will. Uh, what is it that, you know, Jesus or, or uh, what was meant in the Scriptures when it's prophesied? And so, um, you know, that, that's really the million-dollar question there, and why so much of the Church has been led away from prophecy, uh, because the majority of the Church has marginalized it. They don't discuss it, and that's one of the major problems, is because of that sensationalization of it. So pastors and most Christians, Christians themselves now ignore prophecy. They, they don't want to deal with it because either A, they believe it's confusing, or B, it's, it's uh, uh, divisive. Um, and that's why this film shockingly reveals, after working with, with uh, uh, some trending data with LifeWave Research, that we believe that as much as 98% of the church, of the Christian church here in the U.S., has now marginalized prophecy, and they don't teach it at all. Well, um, what age group and demographic have you found most receptive to your faith-based documentaries, and what demographic, in your view, has been the hardest to reach? Well, I don't think you'll find it surprising when I say our, our main demographic that receives the message the most and shares it the most um, are the, the the 45 and over um, demographic. Um, you know, they, especially if they're open to truth and seeking truth, we find that the use of apologetics and, and history and, and various discoveries, they uh, they speak very loudly to uh, to the group of people that, that need that evidence, and, and they want to hear these rational conclusions. Now, the, the hardest demographic, obviously, are, are the millennials and younger. And that's another uh, data point we came across in, within our research, that today, within the, the uh, within the millennial generation, 25% uh, now are either atheist or identify as non-religious. One out of four. And that's a, a terrifying and growing trend. And, you know, when, when, this, when this generation and even the younger ones are, are confronted and saying, well, well, why? You know, the number one reason that uh, we're given is that there's no evidence. There's no evidence at all. And that's, I mean, shocking to those that study the scriptures and study biblical history and apologetics, the proofs and the evidences, because there, there are mountains of, of evidence out there that validify the biblical scriptures. Um, and I actually believe this is an interesting point, because this ties into, again, I think the marginalization of prophecy. Because uh, I've always said the reason why prophecy exists is for God to prove that He is God. Um, he does everything He can to prove to us that we may know that we know that salvation is real, that the Word is real, that you know that this is all true. Um, and so if you remove the very thing that proves that the scriptures are from a divine source, as far as even the non-believing world would be concerned, uh, you know, if if there's a God that tells you what's going to happen before it happens, and and over and over again these things happen, well, that's <laughs> that, that's that's pretty good evidence that you know this is this is not possible through man. Only through God can He know these things. And that's the point. So if you marginalize prophecy from the Bible, you are removing the very thing, one of the the greatest arguments of why the Bible is real. So you're placing the Bible, as far as the secular world is concerned, you're, you're mostly placing the Bible on par with all the other religious texts in the world, because they don't know why the biblical scriptures would be more valid than any of these other religious books. To them, they're all on an equal playing field. 
So as a result, of course, you would have apostasy. Even within the church, you would have falling away because no longer do they understand, you know, why they believe what they believe is true, because prophecy has been completely stripped from the Bible. Almost 30% of the entire Bible has been wiped away because of that. So when you go to these younger generations, um, there's no evidence, quote-unquote, for them in order to understand how they can trust uh, biblical prophecy. And when Christians say, you know, Jesus is going to come back at the end of days, to them it, it completely falls on deaf ears because there's no concept of prophecy at all in their education. You know, I'm reminded of that scripture, let no one dissuade you from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Since wouldn't you say, Brent, that most listening are not theologians, they're not going to take the time to study prophecy, which is why that mantle most likely has been put upon you and others to flush out and make plain and simple for the rest of it. So then the question begs, how did God prove himself, provide evidence for you to receive him? Um, honestly, it was because of Bible prophecy. I think that's why it's such a big topic for us uh, in Ingenuity Films, and clearly not, not the only thing we, we pursue and, and uh, address in, in filmmaking, but very much a, a very deeply passionate point that we try to incorporate into every production. Uh, because w- when I began studying the Bible, so much of what it said rang true as far as morality, and, and everything made perfect sense. But as so many people, especially in the younger generations, where you need to know that you know it's the truth because you want your life to be based on on truth and not just wishful thinking or hopeful thinking, but to know that you know this is the truth. That's one I think for those that need it, just as with Doubting Thomas in the, um, after the resurrection of Christ, where Jesus mm-hmm. says, if you need proof, but, you know, see, see the holes in my hands, do what you need to do, because God wants to show us and lead us to that truth. He's very merciful and loving of that aspect. And I believe prophecy is in the Bible for that reason. That's why the scriptures say, I tell you these things are going to happen, so when you see them, you'll know that I am. That's the point. And so for me, that was really the, the, the final step where I crossed across the line into to absolute, sincere, complete belief um, in, in, in the Word and in Jesus, was when you look at the entire history of Bible prophecy, over 2,500 prophecies are recorded in, in the Bible from the Old Testament through the end, and most, which is about a quarter to a third of the Scriptures. They touch on something prophetic. And... Most theologians agree that about two-thirds of prophecy have come to pass. So very simply, and it is simple, at the end of the, end of the day, if, if this is all from the same source, um, and two-thirds of what God said would happen has happened, then why wouldn't the final one-third remaining events also happen? Well, statistically speaking, they must. They must happen. So therefore, the source is absolutely from a divine place. It's absolutely true. And it was just coming to these rational conclusions, which were r- really kind of uh, the, 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 you know, the, the final nail there that said, look, it, it, you're brought to a place where you have to step over the line and say, it, it's absolutely true. It's all true. And I think that was really what led me to just rationally saying, um, you know, Jesus is absolutely the Messiah. And of course, once, once you receive him, you're led through the Spirit into you know, the, the comfort and his joy and his peace. And it's a whole no, another level of understanding beyond that. But prophecy was the thing that 
that got me to that point. Amen and amen. Thank you for sharing that. Ladies and gentlemen, director Brent Miller Jr., his latest Before the Wrath. Brent, I was immediately drawn to a statement of yours, and I quote, Fight the good fight because the sorrow of failure is worse than what we endure to make a difference. End quote. Talk about how you came to this conclusion and any last words for our listening audience today. Wow. Yeah, that, that is definitely the, the model of which I think is the reason why myself and, and my team get up to do what we do every day. And, and, and it is fighting a fight. Uh, the, the spiritual warfare, the resistance in these productions are are on unprecedented levels and worse than anything that I ever saw in, in 20 years of broadcast or, or new media. And it, it, the, the spiritual fight is very real. Um, and yet we endure because we know that this life is temporary. It, it comes to an end and there's nothing in this world that exists that's worth hanging on to, only, only the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And when you're brought to faith, um, you have such a deep desire to bring others that don't know Christ to faith that, that there is no sacrifice too great in this life when it comes to eternity. And so it, it is definitely a motto that I that we do look at, that I do live by. Um, and it's similar to what Paul said about fighting the good fight. It, it resonates with, with that scripture that it, and any kind of sacrifice is absolutely worth it because of, of what others can gain in the end, eternal life. And nothing compares to that reward. So it, it's a very deep and personal thing for us. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to award-winning writer, producer, director, founder, and executive director of Ingenuity Films, Brent Miller Jr., whose latest explosive docudrama, Before the Wrath, is a much-watch, listen, and learn. You can learn more about Director Miller's work, ministry, and mission by visiting beforetherath.com. Dot com. That's beforetherath.com. And get his film, now available on DVD, get informed, and then get ready to share the hope before the wrath. You will be blessed that you did. Director Miller, Brent Jr., sir, thank you for taking the time to share just a little of your own faith journey and the passion and purpose that has propelled you to chronicle evidence that supports what experts agree is a case for the rapture, the soon coming of Christ, and how we as the church need to be ready at any moment. Your recent DVD docudrama, Before the Wrath, makes the case, and powerfully so. We thank you, God bless you, and yes, happy 2021 too. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a blessing to have me on. I appreciate it. He warned us that a time of great deception would come. But we must hold on to our faith. That one day he would return. To save us from the end of the world. Narrated by Kevin Sorbo. Available now at BeforeTheWrath.com.
testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensen Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.